Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Performance Strategies and Stumbles podcast with me, your host, Dan House. Today, we have a great guest in Phil Scott, who has a ton of experience, particularly in cricket, with the England national team. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the episode where we dig into details with Phil about how he designs programs for batters in cricket. Phil, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to be delving into a bit of program design here within cricket, most specifically, I think, batters, hitters in nature. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah let's go for that. Awesome. Okay, so I want to kick off with like your start point. You, you, you get your athlete. How do you think about program design for that point? Do you start in a general global sense, broad sense, an athlete-focused sense? Like, Where do you start your program design? I, I guess my mind goes to the to the sport, and would my my organised mind would would probably start with some um, some research and looking at what's out there, what information is out there, what's gone before me, um, what do we have on? Uh, I guess in putting a needs analysis together fundamentally. Um, so there 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 will be some some stuff out there, and you might have to pick a little bit out of um, different sports. There's not a huge amount in cricket, for example, so you might have to go towards uh, baseball. Um, but in cricket specifically, how, how far do they run? How fast do they run? Uh, what, what are they expected to do? Obviously it's a striking part of their game. Um, uh, looking at the injuries, um, the instances of that, um, and, and what contributes to performance if there's, if there's any, anything official out there. Um, so once you've got that needs analysis together for me, um, uh, that's the that's my organized brain but then also like to work back from purely um looking at the movement and 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 trying to understand and get into um what they do and how it might feel um so if you've i guess this is where if if you're a coach if you played the sport you have that slightly deeper understanding and and feel to the whatever you're whatever you're putting together um and and speaking to the athlete as well, there, there's although it's not um, you know officially down in some kind of journal or whatever, it's speaking to the athlete. There's there's always some gems in there about the nuances and what it feels like, and and that's probably something I've I've learned over the years to get more and more into. Um, and then and then also the coaches as well, they see things differently. Um, they they see different things differently, and they understand the athlete themselves as well. What they may be missing, um, what what could potentially contribute to to their performance so um yeah I, I try to go along the continuum of of um organized to chaotic um in terms of officialness uh and then and then piece that together and and if you haven't done it yourself i think there's a real um i, I, I one of my things i would say to myself you don't you don't know till you felt it in almost yeah. any part of life um and particularly with sport and if you haven't um try uh, you know hit hit loads of balls on a bowling machine or a batting machine and you go and do that um or you hadn't stood in the field for three hours running around and sprinting yeah you you don't understand what that feels like until you've done it so i think having that appreciation is is absolutely massive as well if we if we we go into that then that needs analysis in a cricket sense what is it that that, uh, sort of the 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 fundamentals that you have to ensure that your athletes are prepared to do what are you anchoring to from that needs analysis most specifically? From a general point of view, I need them to be um, to be able to move quickly. So we need mm-hmm. we need an element of sprinting. Um, I need them to be able to move efficiently. 
um, from a sprinting. And also that's where the, the technical batting coaches come in as well. Um, I need them to accelerate and decelerate well. Um, I need them to be able to produce force quickly. Um, again, specifically with a with a bat in hand, um, the timeframes that they're striking, rotating is is pretty small. Um, and then I need them to be able to repeat that as well. So th- there seems to be an element of um, strength and power within that, but an element of repeatability and robustness. So we also know there's an un- underpinning of an aerobic capacity to be able to rep- repeat that. So if we were to just anchor into the, the strength and power component there, do the coaches talk about wanting to have hard hit balls? The, the phrase we probably have is clear the boundaries. So I guess I, it doesn't really matter how it gets there. And some of the lads do hit it a lot harder than others, but um, the game's moved on and is moving on very quickly. And there's there's a lot of demand from the players to to be playing all around the world and all these different um, franchises. And generally it's the short format. So that does involve striking, hitting, particularly, you know, um, if you're if you're able to clear the boundaries, you're you're gonna score a lot of runs very quickly. That's that's your KPI fundamentally. So coaches, players, if you if you talk about clearing the ropes, you're you're gonna you're gonna get there. How I think um we've probably seen so many different types of players now who use different potentially different um methods, techniques that it's it's they're not boxed into one and um some guys just have a bludgeoning style some have a more flowing style and um i guess like yeah understanding what they what they as probably goes back to what i said earlier is how they feel what they feel um and to be honest some of them exercises that we might provide for them might be very similar but your language might change as to how how you talk around that cool so so getting into then uh we we know there's going to be an element of strength and power demand like you say program design in the gym now We'll move away from the sort of speed, acceleration, change direction element. The ability to improve their capacity to hit and clear the ropes as such. What does program design look like in the gym? How do you construct that? Do you have key principles you adhere to as a practitioner? Do you have key uh, ways that you operate and key ways that you structure program design? It'd be really cool to just sort of get into the weeds at the front end of that. Yeah. Um, so direct, direct me as I talk. Um, but f- fundamentally, um, I'll, I'll start with strength that they need a, they need a good underpinning of strength. I mean, as we all know, as soon as you, um, y- your basics are cleared up by just hitting some, some good levels of strength, how I would, um, I, I'd, I'd put that, that strength on a, on a certain level, uh, in my mind. And then below that, what I've, I guess I've really gone towards recently with working some, particularly some very good physios around movement is, is the control. So I, I can sit, if you think about it as though that's probably how, that's how I'd explain it to a, a player is if you're if you want to have a big engine that big strong engine you're a Lamborghini it doesn't matter how big and strong your engine is if you don't tie up those tighten up those wheel nuts on the wheel you're going to be wobbling all over the place and something as simple as standing on one leg doing some hip control whatever it is um if you can't do that, you're you're you might be masking a lot of work. You're probably creating a bigger bandwidth of um, safety and 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 masking that that lack of control to a certain extent. But underpinning that that control was massive for me. Um, then you can layer on your your speed and power work. Um, how I would go about it 
particularly with the environments and the constraints we have around time. And also, I think it's a great way of going about it is, is taking advantage of post-activation potentiation and, and those contrast sets. So um, we um, I look at doing a strength exercise with a, 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 a velocity-based exercise. So working along that force velocity curve. Um, and that can, that can range, you know, if, if we do something traditional like three sets of three or four sets of four, with um with a let's say um a cable rotation or or the golden um rotational exercise a med ball wall throw and all the varieties of that so you if i if you could superset those two um optimally you're looking at like six to eight or eight minutes of rest that's not going to happen in real life not for me so um i try and give them three to four minutes of rest but i might add some density to that session by looking at some mobility so if we're doing um something really simple like a bench press with a with a med ball wall throw I'll I won't ask them to stand there and <laughs> relax for three or four minutes. I'll I'll look at doing some hip mobility. We know for striking sports that hip internal rotation is massively important. So we might look at doing some 1990 work on the floor and some rotational work the hips. So they get their they get their the well they everything's efficient. I like efficiency. So um, it's dense, it's efficient, and they're distracted and uh, in from resting, just standing around, uh, and they're getting something out of it as well nice. so um, does that am i get am i right in guessing that maybe some of that control work becomes apparent in that in, in that between set rest period as well i was, yeah. was going to ask you would you sacrifice the chasing of strength development until you've got control or is it a concurrent method i, I, I everything for me generally goes concurrent um i think from a from a um, control strength that, that that introduction to power or even if it's learning how to land that's still that element of working towards the what, how it might fit in later and the coordination piece as well um so you, whether it's I, I wouldn't separate out you might have a um, particular session where it's really important but fundamentally in my mind ideally we're doing an element of all from a from a young age yeah nice. and, and and developing that and, and how long are your gym sessions sometimes yeah, we assume it's a sixty-minute session, but for for baseball players, in my experience, is sometimes it was twenty minutes after a game, or sometimes it was between um, innings at times. So, where where are your opportunities to do strength or, or strength and power gym-based work? How long do they last? Can you give the listeners a bit of an example there? Absolutely. So, um, if you've got loads of time, absolutely, it might be a forty-five minute, forty-five to sixty minute. That's how I would, even if I've got for complete loads of time i would try and aim that it's a 45 60 minute session how do we do it uh what, what are the other options um pre-game so for example i was on a tour recently with our with our england lions team who are like our, our, our next in line as such we're developing um when we got towards our pre-game routine i asked them to be in and out in 25 minutes max i was like i don't want you anymore so that then we can we can manipulate the same program volume manipulation keep the intensity keep the intent and they they maintain they can you can still develop strength and power within that process because you're micro dosing those moments. Um, so that would that would be um, one option. Um, Pre game, uh, if you look, we sometimes have games as a um, as an evening T twenty match. So it might kick up at six o'clock. So if you take if you work, I I generally work back six hours from that. Um, anywhere between three to six hours is a priming session. So. Um, there again, you know, a couple of sets of the main ex main exercises that you're doing. Um, you you may reduce the volume and maintain the intensity. Um, so that's your priming leading in. Um, you've got your um, two days out 
uh, as I've just mentioned, and also post. We've been, we we took advantage of post game, um, but when we had a particularly busy schedule, uh, and we we play, we sometimes travelled that night or even very early the next morning. There's not a chance, literally from a from a facility point of view, or as soon as they get changed, showered, and they they kind of on the come down from the game, so it, it becomes hard to get that in. So we had um, a period where we we all um, probably got. Of the playing squad, we probably got ten, eight to ten of them in the game in the gym straight after the game. Music's on; their adrenaline is off the charts. Anyway, from 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 the game, um, and and you'd look at you know b- between normal sets sometimes once they were up and running, normal number of sets to to you know reduce it to two or three sets, and um, and they get that in. So there's, there's ways to manipulate that. I'm very comfortable with with reducing the volume and having a, a uh, lots of micro dose moments throughout the throughout the week and and getting it in that way digging into that detail on the management l- side of things then how do you manage that with athletes is it that you're forecasting that this is an opportunity and you're saying we will be in the gym after this game or is it that you're forecasting an opportunity and you're saying hey guys I want to put this on the radar we might do some lifting after the game how do you manage that with the athlete and especially how does that interact with win loss and mood as yeah. well i think um that's something i've developed in terms of, um, I will probably talk about in the second half is 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 being proactive with your communications. Um, people don't like being surprised. No one does. No one wants to come up and go. By the way, you're in the gym, and I mean, we strength and conditioning coaches um, supposedly love the gym. But if someone came in now and said, you, "Phil, you got to go to the gym," I'm like, "I'm not really in the mood. Thank you very much. I'm not ready." Like, and and that's the same with players. Their job, they're, they're out on the field. They're doing their official job and although this isn't a massive part of how we can help them the element of surprise doesn't really go down so preparing ahead and the further i head prepare ahead and if you have that repeat conversation it's i found it so so much easier within the detail of that some players love obviously love detail so before the tour or the series starts they want a day-to-day schedule of exactly what's going on and you can you can then forecast that with them then and there some players will shudder at the idea of um, so much detail so you might go you might have those conversations and they work they'll have their program obviously but they want their program and they don't want um to be told so much to do exactly when so having that conversation over the coffee or on the bus or when you're when you're just having a you're you're, pre- you're prepared for that conversation but for them it looks relaxed and not so systematic yeah nice i think the key thing i'm hearing there is is the proactive element and i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing maybe the stumbles around that <laughs> yeah. how you got to that point a little bit later um let's go back to the the, the program itself then whether it's microdosed and spread out or not what does that program look like from an exercises point of view <clears throat> would somebody come in and see phil's program throughout the year being very consistent are you looking for variety and i guess one of the other things i'm really interested in are you a whole body type of program orientated um coach in baseball we definitely took our positional players through total body sessions because we didn't know when we were going to have an opportunity to lift them and so we want to cover that off so yeah what what do the programs look like and how do you organize splits and sets of reps and things like that um programs look um i would i would say traditional in terms of um I'd start with their, their power back. Even from the warm up, there'd be that ramp element, um, r- really simply, and um, and then you get into uh, some some plyo work, some explosive work. Unless, unless you're going to 
contrast that immediately. Um, for a lot of our guys, that's probably where our isometric work comes in as well. So we can we can superset that or go towards some um, some specific injury prevention, if you like, the calf work um, at the beginning uh, into your compound lifts, and that's where you you know I would I would always go um, your big compound um, whole, whole body, if you like, to begin with. And, um, in terms of, if we get into, if we get into it, the, the derivatives of weightlifting and, um, I, I, I'm very comfortable with coaching that and, and getting people up to speed. If they have had a bad experience with it, if they just don't like it, if there is something particularly limiting, there's a whole heap of other things we can do as well. So, um, I'm very happy to, to jump, jump with weight, jump with the trap bar, jump with the bar, jump with, and give them some feedback through the VBTs and, um, and, and devices like that. So there's that intent. Um, and then I, I, I absolutely would use, we, we have, um, I mean, like I hear in the NBA, there's a lot of tendon issues, uh, and we, we have a, a, a bit of that as well. So we isolate very happy to isolate, um, uh, a patella tendon on a leg extension or on on iso holds and i think it's absolutely needed i think once you've got your global system primed strengthened integrated then um then isolating is absolutely massive like our shoulders are huge for us so it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong here from the for the listeners point of view they're hearing that it's quite a vertically integrated program design you're yep. trying to ensure that there's a dose of most things on the force velocity curve in a session yeah. and that you'll go from your your preparation into your plyo ballistic work and into your compound the only only thing around that if once we've got a, once i've got a player up um and comfortable and and doing all those basics well we'll have that as a session your strength power session and then a, mm. a, a, a coordination session as well so th- it, that's oh, nice. a really okay. useful concept for me because one um y- although you can get strong uh, I guess this probably links into. I probably anchor on something Chris Beardsley produced with his with his books, and and he discussed about strength is specific. So um, strength is specific to the velocity you perform it at, um, and just because you're you can squat well, it doesn't mean you're going to end up sprinting a, a nine second hundred meter. That's not the case at all. So um, you've got to get specific to the speeds that you're working at, but then also the positions. And this is that continuum of how specific do you go. Um, but absolutely trying to find that level of transfer within an exercise. And there's some basic things that we can do, like the ability to sw- switch your hips for for running, for bowling, for throwing, for everything. For me, there's a whole variety of exercise that you can do, um, obviously, within the gym, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen them. So I, I, I currently, probably when I start with a player, I deliberately separate that session for two reasons. One, for their awareness of what coordination is. Um, and how it can link back to their sport, and um, and secondly, it's a bit of um, it's a it's you still have the intent, you still have a a volume of work, but the um, what it takes out of you as such, it's not muscle damaging, it's not that big strength session, so they can use that on the day of a game, for example, and very close to a game. Uh, as a as a priming session and a, a, a coordination session so they they're comfortable that it's not your traditional gym session um once they're comfortable with that then we i probably integrate it back into your strength power sessions and you know that's where you throw that 
uh, that tri setting, for example, and it might involve a switch or that ability to to rotate the trunk or whatever it is. And then, so on that main strength and power session, do you have do you, do you to take a whole body approach, and do you have a certain number of sets that you like to check off in a in a standard like non micro dosed session? Yeah, I think um, I, I guess with the way we are generally working in and around um, the games and things like that, for me, uh, a big session mm -hmm. in terms of sets would be four, five. Um, we probably mm -hmm. work towards um, two and three uh, around the games in terms, mm -hmm. terms of number of sets, and um, mm -hmm. within that. So if it's a if it's a squat, for example, um, you yeah, if, if we're getting four sets of four. Um, happy to go three, four sets of five if we're, if we're away mm. from the game and that you've got that condition athlete. Um, but, and, and I'm very, I've, I've used sessions of sets, one, one set guys come in and do one set of your, um, session, um, because it, it, it keeps them connected. I think that one set three times a week is better than nothing for the next two weeks. Um, so that's how I'd, I'd kind of plan my, plan my head. And then is it, um, do you have like upper body, lower body splits? Is it whole body in nature? How do you operate there? So if we're, again, if we're, if we're in the winter season and you've got some rehabbing, absolutely can upper body, lower body split. You can get that density again in that, in the week. Um, and, but if we're going closer towards cricket, I'd probably go more, um, more whole body. Um, and, and you're looking at three times, if we're going right towards cricket, two or three times a week. Um, but absolutely can split it, especially when you want to get that big, if they're, if, if they're, if they're rehabbing and you want some element of hypertrophy as well, that, that works really well. Well, I'm really interested in this contrast element as well, just to, to sort of wrap us up here is that you're obviously loading the guys with a traditional compound lift, spreading out and giving yourself a, a strategic approach to giving the guys a, a, a potentiation effect by filling that gap with some low intensity work, stretching mobility or, or, or control work. And then you're getting into your explosive work, which will probably be similar sets and reps, I imagine. But are you looking to match there in terms of like specificity? Are you looking for t like upper body to upper body? Or are you doing like, um, you know, traditional trap bar squat pattern and then going to your med ball throws, which I'm sure we'll see a lot in, in cricket? How are you patching those exercises together? And can you give some examples? Yeah. I mean, just in terms of the volume, when it comes to power, I'll, I'll generally, um, uh, program maximum of around six reps. Just that that Dan Baker work in terms of the when the wind drops off, um, that's that's how I'll, I'll I'll probably go towards that. Also in cricket, the number six is a magic number. If you say six, they're happy. Six balls in and over, they think everything revolves around six. So that's quite useful. Um, in terms, uh, uh, it's it's probably um, how I program it. Both fundamentally, um, if I was going to do, um, if we're going to look at some rotational power. For me, both work. I like more towards that lower body stimulus uh, from a from a squat or a, or a trap bar dead into um, the med ball uh, med ball throw or rotational work because it's it's fundamentally ground up. So they're feeling they get that feeling from the legs in, into the um, into the, the literally the tips of your finger. Um, uh, but if I'm going towards an upper body, I'm probably I'm not. I wouldn't be afraid to do it with the med ball, uh, the the, the rotational work, but it would probably be more traditional clap press up, um, med ball throw from the floor, um, and and it's still that 
it's the, the system's prime, but it's a bit more specific to that area. Whereas I feel like if you're going for the lower body um, stimulus, it transfers further. And ha- so how important is lower body strength for you? You've anchored there to this ground up notion, which really resonates with me. It was the same in baseball. Is there a premium on lower body strength to facilitate good rotational outcomes? Uh, yeah, mass- Massively, I think. Um well, it, it, I mean, yes, the simple answer is absolutely yes. Um, <laughs> and um, I, 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 I think it's so important. I don't really know much more to say about it. It's, it's, um, it's got no, to be there. It's, yeah. yeah, it's got to be there. Um, hmm. And again, not afraid to go from a, that global trap bar dead or squat or, or split squat into um, isolating the hips with a, with a, with a hip thrust or, um, and obviously again, those hammies, mm. quads, calves, soleus, I think is absolutely massive. Um, mm. something probably, mm. um, relatively overlooked and, um, and, and yeah, it just has, it has to be there. It, it has to be there. And as soon as you, as soon as you missed what I found, what we found is as soon as we miss some lower body or players have veered off it or the series have gone on and it's been hard to get working, we've ended up having shoulder problems. Um, so one of my, um, one of my favorite moments probably in my career was we took an athlete with a, with a, um, a scapular stress fracture. And the first thing, um, Joe Gibson did, um, when she came in to help us was ask him to do a single leg squat. And, um, uh, that probably sums it up for me. Everything goes up the chain and, and, and starts from there. So yeah, that was, that was, um, uh, I, I think I understood it. It was a massive kind of reinforcement for that for that lower body uh, strength and power yeah i think there's um some reports of work in tennis where shoulder injuries were were somewhat more prevalent in athletes that had tended to veer off and away and abstain from lower body work because it was this preservation element and that they're sort of like protecting themselves but actually they're putting themselves at more risk than actually preparing them i guess the last thing here is like grip strength the guys have a heavy back but yeah. are you doing any grip specific work yeah it's it's um it's 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 not necessarily in my mind it's not necessarily a con i mean we do do the grip strength work it's not necessarily how it sits in my mind is it's not necessarily a um contributor to performance so the higher the grip strength suddenly you can hit the ball further however if you haven't got your basic level you will start to diminish it's obviously becomes it can only become a weak point a weak spot but it's not necessarily the um the thing that's going to rev the engine up even even more so it has to be in so whether that's towels on pull-ups um whether that's just some catches of some plates um yeah it, it it's it's in there and um and one of those one of those things that just needs to be done um fundamentally but if it's not there you're missing a link <clears throat> that rings true with some of the work i did in softball with the female softball group who it wasn't the influence on performance but it was a rate limiter so you had the individuals who had good lower body strength lower body impulses but had poor grip strength they didn't they didn't seem to hit very well or hit hard hit balls whereas the ones that had both were far more equipped to hard hit balls more consistently so definitely a feature within their program as well phil that's really really cool i think um a natural end there in terms of, of program design. I really, really appreciate what you shared there for the group. And, and I know it's challenging to be quizzed about your program design sometimes and asked to dig into the details because, as we know, it all depends. It's all context-specific. <laughs> Just to say thank you because I think the listeners will, will gain a lot from the fact that you've got clear clarity and direction on where you take your programming decisions. A big thank you, buddy, for your contributions there. I know we're going to meet again in this second half, but thanks so much for sharing there. Not at all. Thank you very much. 
So there we have it, another great episode. Thank you to Phil for sharing that. It's often so hard to be questioned and challenged on program design, but it's a great process to go through as a practitioner to get real clarity on what you do and why. And I think we can all agree that Phil expressed clarity among his decisions when challenged today on, on sharing some of his thoughts on how he develops specific physical qualities with his players based on the constraints um, and ecological dynamics within cricket. Tune in next week to hear more about Phil's stumbles. There's some great shares from Phil, particularly with respect to warm-ups going wrong in front of 50,000 people. So tune in next week to hear more from Phil.